Good evening, my friends, and welcome back to 62 Horror Movies with Josh Hitchens. That's me, where I will be your host for a creepy double feature every night throughout the month of October. Come join me, won't you? Tonight is October 15th, my friends, and this is part two of our Satanic Panic Night, or Satanic Panic Part 2, whichever you prefer. And like our Hitchcock episode earlier this month, I'm going to try really hard to limit the time I talk about each movie, because the two movies that we're going to watch tonight are also movies that I love and know a lot about, and both movies where the making of them is just as fascinating as the film itself. First up, we are going to watch The Devils, released in 1971 and directed by Ken Russell. And then our second feature of the night is The Exorcist, released in 1973 and directed by William Friedkin. Both movies have similar themes uh, that they attack very differently, and are written and directed from very different perspectives. And I think that's part of the reason why one was successful and the other was not, at least publicly. So, The Devils is written and directed by Ken Russell, who was a Catholic. The Exorcist was written by William Peter Blatty, a Catholic, but directed by William Friedkin, who was an atheist. And I think because of the difference in faiths of the two directors, even though they're both dealing with deeply Catholic stories, has a lot to do with how the movies are publicly perceived. The Exorcist was nominated for, I believe, 10 Academy Awards, was the first horror film to be nominated for Best Picture, while The Devils was banned in many countries. It was heavily, heavily cut in the United States especially, and in the United States it has only ever been released on VHS, it has never been released on DVD or Blu-ray in any form. In the UK, only a cut version has been released on DVD and Blu-ray. The uncut version of The Devils does exist and has been completely restored and is ready to be put out, but Warner Brothers, who produced and owns this film, honestly hates it because its leadership is very, very... um, uh, right-wing Christian, just to put it plainly. Uh, And they don't like the Devils. They never did. They didn't like it when it was made, so they buried it, and they've done a pretty good job. The Devils is a movie that is very difficult to see 
in its original form in the way it was intended. There is a bootleg version that has most of the deleted footage uh, reinserted, and that is available on the internet at archive.org, and that link will be um, in the post for this episode. It is The quality is honestly terrible, which is a shame, because The Devils is a really beautiful film to look at in all its ugliness. Like, the, there's just such beauty to the cinematography and the colors. And the bootleg version is very, very washed out. Um, the colors don't really come through. It's pr- pretty blurry. Um, but... It is, sadly, the only way that you can see the Devils mostly as director Ken Russell intended it to be seen. And I think even in a bootleg state, The Devils is a movie worth watching. It is one of my favorite movies ever made. I put it in my top ten. I've watched it many, many times. Uh, If you want to learn more about the making of The Devils, there is a great book by Richard Krauss called Raising Hell, The Making and Unmaking of The Devils. And that book tells you everything that you'd want to know about the making of this movie, the release of it, and its afterlife. Um, The Devils, among the folks who have seen it, is extremely highly regarded with good reason. And The Devils opens with a title card that reads, This film is based upon historical fact. The principal characters lived and the major events depicted in the film actually took place. And that is 100% true. Everything that you see happen in The Devils actually did happen. The Devils is based on a historical uh, book called The Devils of Ludun by Aldous Huxley. Uh, Aldous Huxley is most famous for his novel Brave New World and also for his book The Doors of Perception, in which he wrote about his drug experiments with mescaline, uh, which inspired the name of the amazing band The Doors. Uh, But he also wrote The Devils of Ludum because Aldous Huxley stumbled upon the immense wealth of primary material that is available and is still available on the demonic possessions at the small French town of Ludun in the 1630s and 1640s. If you go on Wikipedia and look up Ludun possessions, there's a page for it, which is a a great gateway, but you should also read Aldous Huxley's book. And basically the gist of this story is that in Loudun, uh, which was a French town, provincial town that had walls, fortifications, so they had their own independent government and could really ignore the French king as they wanted to, which was a problem both for the French king and his chief religious advisor, Cardinal Richelieu, famous historical figure. And they wanted to 
take all the fortifications of towns like Ludon down so they would have absolute control over them in a government that was really a theocracy um, that was combined with religion. And there's a scene early in The Devils that illustrates that moment between King Louis and Cardinal Richelieu. And I'm gonna play it and talk a little bit because it's in the opening credits. I pray that I may assist you in the birth of a new France where church and state are one. Amen. And it is over this conversation between the French King Louis and Cardinal Richelieu that the title The Devils happens. And that is not an accident. Um, because as I have said, Ken Russell, who wrote and direct who wrote the screenplay and directed this movie, was a Catholic but also saw the Catholic Church very truthfully and was very much interested in making The Devils a political film because it is a political story, a story that has been repeated throughout time into the present day of the horrors that can happen when the people in power in government have their religious beliefs infiltrate the law. Um, and the real villains in The Devils are not any demons. They are the king and especially Cardinal Richelieu and the Catholic Church. Um, so in the town of Loudun, there's a priest called Father Grandier, uh, who's played by Oliver Reed. Great performance in this movie. And Father Grandier is a very popular priest, especially with the women of Loudun. Uh, Grandier, again, this everything is real. He's a real historical figure. Um, you can read his writing still. He wrote a pamphlet about how chastity was bad for priests and how that wasn't actually in the Bible, um, which he's kind of right. Um, but he basically fucked every woman in town and was lusted over uh, by everyone in the town and envied by many other powerful men in the town of Ludan. And in Ludan, there's also a convent, an Ursuline convent, uh, Ursuline convent that was run by uh, a hunchbacked woman named Sister Jeanne uh, of the Angels. And Sister Jeanne became obsessed with Father Grandier, asked him to become the leader of their order when their previous confessor died. Father Grandier was like, I'm too busy. Um, I'm heading up the, the main church. No thanks, I don't need to rot in a convent. Um, and so he rejected her. And after that, Sister Jeanne claimed that she had been possessed by demons that were sent by Father Grandier. And one by one, all of the other nuns in this Ursuline convent became possessed and exhibited this, stra this strange and incredibly sexually charged behavior. And finally, exorcisms were called, and these exorcisms were public, witnessed by hundreds of people every day. 
And finally, and this is all true, uh, and finally it ended with Grandier being burned at the stake, alive at the stake um, in Loudun, and then the possessions ceased. It's it's an incredible story. Uh, that's a whole other hour on its own. I encourage you to read the actual historical record. But the point is that Ken Russell's film of the devils is incredibly faithful to its source material. It presents the events as they happen. There's nothing in this movie that is made up. He was very, very close to Aldous Huxley's book, The Devils of Loudun. The difference, I think, is that Ken Russell was, thank God, a director who really wanted to put his audience through an experience. So with all the ugliness that you see in this film with, you know, the ravages of the Black Death. Ludan is in the grips of masses of its population dying of the plague, which is important because they're also a town that is inured to death. So one more person burning alive, it's nothing. Um, but, like, there's smash cuts to, like, rotting corpses crucified on wheels with maggots dropping out of their eye sockets and mouths. And uh, what happens to Sister Jeanne as she's exorcised? She's really sexually assaulted at the beginning and then put through a lot of other torture. Um, and Ken Russell refuses to let the audience be distant from the inhumanity of this human behavior. He shoves your face right into these atrocities. And so while The Devils may not be considered a horror film in the conventional way, I think it is deeply horrifying. Uh, there are images that he puts on screen that you've never seen before that still shock you even though this was a film that was made and released in 1971. Um, and one of the interesting things about the, de about the Devils, about this story, and I think why the film was so maligned for so long, is that it, ming it mingles a critique of the Catholic Church with religious persecution clear persecution without any real justification. There is no possession in this movie. There are no real demons. There is mental illness, and there is greed and pride. And that makes it a much more disturbing thing. But the devils, in its original source material, and especially in the film that Ken Russell made, it is also a film that is extremely sexual, where that is how these repressed nuns express themselves. Um, Aldous Huxley, in his book The Devils of Loudun, has a quote, Sex mingles easily with religion, and their blending has one of those slightly repulsive and yet exquisite and poignant flavors, which startle the palate like a revelation of what? That precisely is the question. And I think that's a very uncomfortable thing for people to sit with. You know, this is a film 
that depicts, you know, Sister Jeanne, the mother superior of this convent, masturbating uh, over Father Grandier, and then getting up, and you see her go to her little cell, and she's got metal instruments of flagellation, and she flagellates herself with these iron spikes while another nun watches and is clearly sexually aroused doing it um really rubs your face in that stuff and i think that's why the devils doesn't does not and did not sit well with a lot of people in power and that's why it is a movie that has not often been seen but should be because i think it is a masterpiece i do want to talk a little bit too about the cast of this movie at least some of them because they are a huge part of what makes this movie so so great to watch as i said you have oliver reed as father grandier uh, who is a man a priest and a man who at the beginning of the movie says that he has a great need to be united with god and his political maneuvering and obvious mistakes with the women of the town. He gets one of them pregnant, uh, marries another one of them in a secret ceremony, um, but who becomes, through his suffering, a man of God again. He, he's, he becomes a better man because of what he's put through. And Oliver Reed just does it absolutely perfectly. You also have the brilliant Vanessa Redgrave, who plays Sister Jeanne of the Angels, um, the possessed Mother Superior. And she is truly extraordinary in this role. She gave her all to it, did not hold back, really gave everything she possibly had to give. And she's a really disturbing figure, um just visually, because she's she's very tall, uh, just Vanessa Redgrave as a person is very tall, but when you first see her, his head, her head is bent to this extreme angle, and you often think of nuns as like these perfect upright people, and then she appears and she's just bent and crooked, so you immediately know that something's wrong, and she's clearly dealing with a deep mental illness that she cannot find a name for, uh, but finally finds a name for it in Grandier and Possession. And she's truly unforgettable. Um, this movie wouldn't be what it was without her. Uh, you also have, in her very first film, Gemma Jones, uh, who you've seen in a lot of stuff. She uh, was in the BBC 70s drama series, The Duchess of Duke Street. She's in Bridget Jones's Diary. She's in uh, Poirot episodes. You've seen her in a million things. She's a great, great actress, and this is her first movie, and she plays the historical figure of Madeleine de Bru, who falls in love and marries Father Grandier, and is really the only sort of ray of goodness in this film. She's the only one who gets to escape it. Um, and you also have a really great performance by um, um, 
act uh, an actor who played Father Barre. Why am I not seeing him? Oh yeah, Michael Gothard. Um, Michael Gothard played Father Barre, uh, who is the chief exorcist in The Devils, and Father Barre has this long blonde hair and these totally anachronistic circular glasses. He looks exactly like John Lennon. And that is exactly the point, because the point Ken Russell's trying to make is that these exorcists, these witch hunters that went from town to town, they were our modern equivalent of rock stars and got that kind of adoration. And that brings us also to the design of the devils, which I think is what elevates it into something truly extraordinary and haunting. Uh, the devils sets were designed by Derek Jarman, incredible queer artist who later became a film director himself, made brilliant movies um, before his unfortunate death. Uh, but Derek Jarman really, with Ken Russell, seized on a line from Aldous Huxley's book that the exorcism of Sister Jeanne was akin to a rape in a public lavatory. And they really wanted to, that was such a vivid image to them. So the town of Loudun is not the stereotypical medieval town that you might see. It is made, it has walls and buildings made out of this impossibly pristine white tile. The convent where the possessions and the exorcisms happen is all this white tile. In contrast, the church where Grandier works is this black metal kind of thing. And the costumes by uh, Shirley Russell, who was Ken Russell's wife at the time, are equally extraordinary and impressionistic, often working with black and white and just very surreal elements. So while The Devils is acted truthfully, depicts events that really did happen um, as they happened, the way that Ken Russell presents that factual material to you is in a way that is that is fantastical somehow. It's odd, not what you expect. And I think that really gives the devils a huge amount of its eerie power. And I think everyone who is interested in horror or is interested in horrific moments, real moments in history, should watch The Devils. Watch it, and then we'll come back for our second feature of the night. I just remembered one final thing that I wanted to say about Vanessa Redgrave's performance as Sister Jeanne in The Devils. One critic described it as a depiction, a roaring, creaking madness. And that is just the perfect description for what she does.
And this is Tubular Bells by Mike Oldfield, uh, one of the signature musical cues used in The Exorcist, released two years after The Devils in 1973, and written by William Peter Blatty based on his novel and directed by William Friedkin. So, William Peter Blatty's novel is a novel that is still worth reading today, and he based The Exorcist on a true story of a young teenage boy um, who has been in the popular consciousness known as Roland Doe. His real name has never been released. But a teenage boy who was... After playing with a Ouija board soon after his aunt died, he became apparently possessed by a demon and had writing appear on his flesh and had superhuman strength and spit at people um, in superhuman ways. And Roland Doe underwent several exorcisms until he was finally freed of the demonic possession. And one of the priests who uh, participated in those exorcisms wrote a diary, and uh, that diary was eventually leaked, and that story came into the public consciousness. And William Peter Blatty took it as his inspiration for his novel, The Exorcist. And it was a departure for him. William Peter Blatty had been known for many years as a comedy writer, both in television and film. And then he wrote this novel, The Exorcist, and then reinvented himself as a maestro of horror. And William Peter Blatty, I think, was very smart in that in his novel, The Exorcist, he changed the subject of the demonic possession to, instead of a teenage boy, a teenage girl, um, a very young girl. And I think that is part of what uh, made The Exorcist the success that it was. Uh, he wrote the, uh, Blatty wrote the screenplay for The Exorcist, and he actually won an Oscar for Best Adapt Adapted Screenplay for it, which I think he deserved. And The Exorcist was really the first horror film that earned so many Oscar nominations, including Best Picture, Best Director for William Friedkin, Best Actress for Ellen Burstyn, Best Supporting Actor for Jason Miller, and Best Supporting Actress for Linda Blair, among others. Um, but Best Adapted Screenplay was the Oscar, most prominent Oscar that it won. And I think The Exorcist deserved all that, and I think it is important as being really the first horror film that was recognized by the industry and the public at large. But I think it's also because The Exorcist was so big that you could not ignore it. Uh, it was a blockbuster 
hit. It was made for $12 million. It grossed over $400 million. And it is a film that is of such obvious quality in its directing, in its writing, in its acting, in its design, in its music, that you kind of can't deny how great it was. Um, I still do think The Devils is a better movie, but I think The Devils... The Devils confronts Catholicism, again made by a Catholic writer and director, but it confronts Catholicism's horrors throughout time and still today, as we see in the news all the time. Whereas The Exorcist, while written by a Catholic, was directed by an atheist, William Friedkin, and it's not an accident that a prominent bishop said that The Exorcist was one of the best commercials for the Catholic Church that they had ever received, because The Exorcist presents the Church, the Catholic Church, as the ultimate good that is facing this ultimate evil. Um, and there were a lot of conversions to Catholicism after The Exorcist came out. It really is... It couldn't happen today how much of a cultural phenomenon The Exorcist was in its time. Uh, I'm sure you've all seen it at this point. If you haven't, I'm surprised. But I'm excited because The Exorcist is a brilliant movie, unquestionably one of the best full-out horror movies ever made. It starts off in a slow build and steadily builds its terror until you get to that final horrific and unforgettable exorcism that comes at the end of this film. Uh, and, as I, and as I said, the making of The Exorcist could be another movie in its own right. Um, William Friedkin was a director who wanted to get the best scared performances out of his actors, so he sometimes fired real guns on the set uh, to, photo to get on film um, the actors' reactions to those gunshots. And uh, apart from that... Uh, the set of Reagan's bedroom, Reagan is the little girl that is possessed by the demon Pazuzu in The Exorcist. Her bedroom was actually made a refrigerator where it was below zero because he wanted you to be able to see the breath of the actors and he didn't want it to be some fake cartoon digital thing as much as was possible then. He wanted it to be real. So that set was really cold. It was so cold that there was one morning when they came in and they found that all of the moisture from the actor's exhaled breath had, you know, drifted up to the ceiling and they found a thin layer of snow on the set of Reagan's bedroom. It actually snowed in there. It was that cold. 
Um, there was also um, a large part of the set that caught fire, um, which added to the mythos of the exorcist being cursed. Ellen Burstyn, who plays Reagan's mother, Chris McNeil, um, seriously injured her back in one scene. Uh, and the scene where she injured her back is the cut that you see in the movie. You can see her scream in pain and then reach her hand down to her lower back. Um, that was damage that has followed her for the rest of her life. Um, speaking of Ellen Burstyn, she gives a tremendous performance as the mother Chris McNeil. Ellen Burstyn was an actor, studio actor, student of Lee Strasberg, and was actually uh, president of the actor studio for many years after Lee Strasberg died. Um, she won an Oscar the year after this in 1974 for Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore, directed by Martin Scorsese, one of his early movies. Um, also Oscar nominated and should have fucking won for her performance in Requiem for a Dream uh, in 2001, which is one of the most horrific movies ever made, even more so than The Exorcist. Jason Miller, as Father Damien Karras, was not an actor. He was a playwright. He had a successful play called That Championship Season, auditioned for the role of Father Karras, a role that every major male actor in Hollywood wanted at the time, including Jack Nicholson. Uh, but Jason Miller brings such a wonderful, real, haunted quality to Father Karras. You have Max von Sydow, who, as Father Lancaster Marin, the titular exorcist, who reached his fame um, in The Seventh Seal by Ingrid Bergman, and when he made The Exorcist in 1973, Max von Sydow was only in his 30s, but they used makeup to age him into, like, a 70-, 80-year-old man. Um, it's actually the most incredible makeup in the movie, because you think Max von Sydow is a 70- to 80-year-old man, and he's actually fucking 30. Um, and while the makeup that is done on Reagan, played by Linda Blair, is hugely impressive and iconic... That, I think, is the real achievement, is Father Marin's makeup. Lee J. Cobb, another famous actor-studio actor, actor um, the original Willie Loman in Death of a Salesman by Arthur Miller. He plays Lieutenant Kinderman. Um, and then, of course, you have Linda Blair as Reagan McNeil in the movie that made her reputation for better or worse. I think Linda Blair is a great, great actress, and she really put out, pulled out all the stops for her performance in this movie. She's so sweet in the beginning, but she is so terrifying once she is possessed. Um, of course, aided by the makeup, but it is her body doing all the things you see her body doing. For the most part, there's that one controversial scene with the crucifix where they used um, a rubber model uh, for her lower half. Um, Linda Blair was nominated for the Oscar for Best Supporting Actress, but did for 
but did not win. However, she had earlier won the Golden Globe Award for Best Supporting Actress. Between the Golden Globe Awards and the Oscars that year, it came out that Mercedes McCambridge had done the voice of the demon that comes from Reagan's mouth when she's possessed, Pazuzu. And Mercedes McCambridge was a legendary actress who started out working with Orson Welles in the Mercury Theater, both on stage and in radio. Um... She actually won an Oscar for Best Supporting Actress in 1949 for the movie All the King's Men. But Mercedes McCambridge was the voice of the demon. William Friedkin originally intended for Linda Blair to do the voice herself and they'd alter it, but it just didn't quite work. Uh, so they called in Mercedes McCambridge, legendary voice actor, and she actual and she went all out for her performance as the demon Pazuzu. She insisted that she be tied to a chair. She did shot after shot after shot of whiskey, even though she hadn't drank in years. She chain smoked cigarettes, even though she hadn't smoked in years, to get that raw. Uh, unhinged quality that the demon's voice and the exorcist has. And she initially insisted that she not receive on-screen credit for her work in The Exorcist. Uh, but after The Exorcist was released and became a huge monster hit with people waiting along the block and people praising Linda Blair's performance... Mercedes McCambridge changed her mind and demanded credit in the movie, so that's why in the ending credits you see, and Mercedes McCambridge. That was not in the original cut. It was added. Honestly, she deserves to be credited for her work. Uh, it is unforgettable. No one else has ever impersonated a a demon better than Mercedes McCambridge what did in The Exorcist. However, I think Linda Blair on her own gives a tremendous performance in this movie. Uh, the Exorcist is a movie that if you've never seen it, you have to watch it. It is deservedly called one of the greatest horror movies ever made. There's the original cut you can watch, and then there's also uh, the version you've never seen, uh, which is what they called the director's cut that William Friedkin released, which I actually got to see in theaters. And I think if I had to choose between the two, I would tilt towards the director's cut, a.k.a. the version you've never seen. It it's longer uh, and includes, I think... A lot of material that make that really elevates the Exorcist even further. So, if you haven't watched it, watch the Exorcist. If you've watched the Exorcist, watch it again because it's it's just such a great movie. And we'll continue on and close for the night.
my friends, thank you for joining me once again for 62 Horror Movies with Josh Hitchens. That's me. Tomorrow night, we are going to have a tribute to Toby Hooper. We'll start off with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and then conclude with Poltergeist. Until tomorrow night, my friends, Happy Halloween.